go over to me, go over with me to Second Chronicles in chapter 12. Second Chronicles in chapter number 12. While you're doing that here, I got a set of keys that was found. Is anybody missing their keys? <coughs> Tina, are those yours? Yes. All right. You can get them back. Ten dollars after the service. <laughs> come on, Benny. Come on up here. That poor guy. He didn't know what. You got ten bucks, Benny? Yeah, he's got. <laughs> He said you'd pay me later. All right. Good, Lance. Tina, I don't know what to do with you. I really don't. Second Chronicles in chapter 12. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We'll do that in reverence to the Word of God. Second Chronicles chapter 12. I'm always looking to make a buck. Amen. Verse number 13. Second Chronicles chapter 12. Let's begin with verse 13. We'll read to the end of the chapter. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And he did evil, because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet, and of Iddo the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Abijah, his son, reigned in his stead. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. And, and Lord, I, I ask you for, uh, Lord, just uh, your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts today. Father, I believe, uh, Father, your word, Lord, the, the principles, the truths that it teaches are all that we need to succeed in this life. And Father, if we'd only listen to you, what a difference it would make. Lord, I pray that if there are some in this room today who've never come to a place in their life where they are understanding of the fact that they're without a Savior, that Lord, today would be the very day that they are reached by the grace of God, Lord, the, by the Son of God. They put their faith in Christ. I pray that, Father, you'd work a miracle in them today. Father, I pray that You'd help us that are born again and are on our way to heaven. That, Lord, today our hearts would be touched with your word. And, Lord, your spirit would find ears who are ready to hear and hearts who are ready to receive what you have for us today. I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Second Chronicles chapter number 12 is the end, as far as Chronicles is concerned, of the story of a man by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was a man who had a great lineage. His grandpa was none other than King David, the shepherd warrior king. Rehoboam's father was a man whose name was Solomon, the wisest, wealthiest ruler the world had ever seen. Rehoboam had many wonderful advantages, yet we find him here at the end of his life sorely lacking and coming up short. In verse number 14, and we'll use this as a text, Rehoboam had never prepared his heart to seek God. Because of this, his kingdom was divided, his influence was drastically decreased, and his legacy was this. He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. What a, what a sad epitaph to have put in 
on your gravestone. What, what a sad way to end your life. What, what is remembered of Rehoboam was that he did evil. He did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Rehoboam did a lot of things. There were some good things that he did. But his life, the last thing he is remembered by, is that his life, what he did, was evil. And this morning, folks, I want to challenge you with some thoughts that are related to this text. And I pray, I pray that it will be a blessing to you. Um, I'm going to make some statements and I'll, I'll make some comments about those statements. But I, what I want you to understand is, folks, these, these things, and I, I will say this, they translate far more than just our spiritual lives. And I, I, I regret that we, we somehow feel that the Bible only relates to our spiritual lives. I don't know where we got that. I don't know how we bought that, that false bill of goods. But it is seeped into our thinking. And for some reason, we think that the truths that God has for us only really do a whole lot for our spiritual life. But, folks, that's not true. God's word, God's truths are for everything about our lives. They are, they are for the physical. They are for the mental. They are for the emotional. Of course, they're for the spiritual. They're for the eternal. But, folks, God's truths apply to today. And God's truths, if they're taken and they're put into our lives, God's truths can do miraculous, incredible things for us today. And I want you to understand that. And we're going to talk this morning about being prepared about being prepared, and if we do not do that, if we do not prepare to seek the Lord, our lives, when they are over, they will be remembered as evil. You say, but I did some good things. I understand that, but you're going to be remembered for being evil. I'm going to jump mics, and we'll dive into the message. Number one this morning, the first statement is that true greatness is not found in the performance, but in the preparation. True greatness is not found in the performance, but in the preparation. Too many desire the limelight, but are unwilling to work in the low light. Today's culture seems to just desire their 15 minutes of fame. But true greatness is not found there. Greatness is found only in being faithful, in being steadfast, in being solid, and in being present and accounted for. There seems to be a lack of accountability that afflicts many in our nation today. Nobody wants to work without being noticed. It seems we seek the applause of the crowd instead of being concerned with whether the job is well done and our master is pleased. We are caught up in our own agendas, in our own plots, in our own plans. We're caught up in our own wills, and I'll be very honest with you, quite frankly, it's destroying us. We need a whole lot of people today who will determine in their lives to prepare. Christianity does not need people who are about them, but about Christ. You'll find in the Word of God that before Jesus came, and before Jesus died, and before Jesus was buried, and before Jesus was resurrected, you'll find in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, as well as numerous references across the New Testament, that He was preparing for that before the foundations of the world. You see, folks, we didn't have a Savior who just performed well. And, and don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say today. The performance should be great. But the greatness isn't in the performance. The greatness is in the preparation that gets us to the performance. When people who have talent and people who have skill just rely on that, my friend, we have a mess. And in our nation today, see, I think Rehoboam had some talent. I think he had some leadership ability. But Rehoboam did not prepare his heart to seek God. And because he did not prepare, he did not perform well. 
And I look at our culture today, and we have a culture that does not want to prepare to perform well someday. My Savior prepared. See, a man who is prepared is ready to do what God has called him to do. When it comes time to do the job and to make the sacrifice, that man has already counted the cost and has made the decision previously. In Luke chapter 14, our Savior commanded us before we followed Him to count the cost. Jesus said, if you follow me, it will cost you something. He said, let every man take up his cross daily and follow me. And my friend this morning, what I want you to understand, you see, serving God is not all sunshine and roses. There are times in your life when serving God is difficult. There are times when serving God is a sacrifice. There are times when serving God is the most difficult thing you have ever had to do in your life. But the wonderful thing about it is, my friend, if you're prepared to do it, you'll come out the other side and you'll praise God that you held faithful. I look at our culture today, and we have a culture of marriage and divorce. Whenever I sit down with a young couple and they're preparing to get married, I love to talk about the simple fact that there are going to be problems ahead because their eyes get all big. And they say, really? But we love each other so much. I know you do. And isn't it the sweetest thing? I mean, they, they've known each other for all of a year. And they're just head over heels. They think, she thinks he doesn't have B.O. He thinks that her, that her pantyhose don't smell when she takes them off at night. I mean, they just they have these, these, these preconceived notions that this is the perfect. I'm sorry. There is nothing like pantyhose. Amen? I mean, those things will curl. Uh, they will. They'll curdle milk in about 10 minutes. But, but needless to say, you guys, you're all terrified to laugh. You're like, <laughs> you know, I ain't saying nothing. But we have this idea in our head that somehow we don't have to really prepare that much because we'll be fine. And what happens, and, 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 and folks, we see it all over. The divorce rate is over 50%. We don't prepare to have a solid marriage. And because we don't prepare to have a solid marriage, guess what happens? Our marriage falls to pieces. You see, fights happen. Discord comes. Sometimes you won't like her or ladies, you won't like him very much. But praise God, if you've prepared, you will perform and you'll stick in the marriage. But if you've not prepared, you're gone. And that's what we see happening all across our country today. And it's an epi epidemic. We have a bunch of young people who are rushing into a lust. They're rushing into a relationship. They're rushing into a marriage that should have never taken place. And they say, oh, oh but I love him. Honey, you ain't going to love him in six months. You're going to feel differently because he's going to tick you off. You see, once you got that little wedding band on your finger, and, and, and once you've taken his name, he stops treating you as good as he used to. All right? He doesn't worry about your feelings quite as much as he once did. And things change. People mature. People, And you say, but, but I thought it was always going to be wonderful. I thought it was always going to be great. It, it isn't. And folks, I'll tell you this. I'm using marriage this morning, but I can use a thousand different other types of illustrations that are true to life. 
And our problem is we're not preparing. We're not preparing to succeed. We're not preparing to serve God. We're not preparing to seek the Lord. And when we do not do that, we do not succeed. We do not prosper. I'll tell you why David was a great king. David prepared to be a great king. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? He didn't know he was going to be anointed. He didn't know that Samuel was going to come to his house. But in the fields, as he was tending to his sheep, David prepared his heart to seek God. You read Solomon as a young boy. And folks, Solomon, most scholars believe that Solomon came to be king somewhere between the ages of 12 and 18. As a young man, Solomon was told by God, I'll give you anything you want. Now, I'm sorry, folks. There's no such thing as a genie in the bottle, but there is such a thing as a God in heaven. And when God in heaven says to you, I'll give you whatever you want, I'm sorry, but most 12 to 18-year-olds wouldn't have the sense to say, God, I want wisdom to rule your people wisely. You see, Solomon prepared his heart to seek God. Now Solomon, in later in life, made some very poor decisions. And Solomon fell from the greatness God had given him. But I do want you to understand, both Rehoboam's grandfather and Rehoboam's father, they had prepared their heart to seek God. And when the time came for them to rise to the occasion, they rose. Do you understand that rulers from all over the known world came to Solomon to sit and to watch him rule? The Bible says that when the queen of Sheba came, that the breath was literally taken out of her. She said, I am stunned. I am speechless. And this is a woman, amen, a queen of Sheba. All right, she was speechless. The breath was taken out of her. She said, I cannot, I cannot imagine the splendor of your, of your kingdom. She said, the half has not been told me. Why? Because Solomon had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. What happened, Rehoboam? Rehoboam, didn't you have good training? I had the best of training. Rehoboam, didn't you have good tutors? I had the best of tutors. Rehoboam, didn't you have the, 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 the staff and the counselors that your father Solomon had? Yes, I did. What happened? What happened? I didn't prepare my heart to seek God. And folks, when we don't prepare, I promise you this, you'll not perform well in the moment. Too many people rely on their God-given talents and on their God-given abilities instead of on the God who gave them those. You see, you might be capable. You might be functional. You might have some abilities that God has blessed you with and praise the Lord for that. Maybe God gave you a singing voice. Maybe God gave you the ability to, to, to understand mechanics. Maybe God gave you the ability to, to, to do some wonderful things with your body and with your, with your mind. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you don't honor the God and prepare to serve God, those talents and those abilities one day will fail you and you'll fall short. You see, greatness, number one, is not in the performance but in the preparation. The second statement, and the next two statements are very closely intertwined. But the second statement is this, to not prepare for success is to prepare for failure. Let me say it again. To not prepare for success is to prepare for failure. Too many people ask, why did this bad thing happen to me? Why doesn't God like me? Why do I have to go through these things? How come I seem to be the only one? I'm going to tell you why this morning, why most of those things happened. You didn't prepare. You say, but, 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 but uh, I didn't want it to happen. I didn't try to make it happen, but life does. Um, let, let, me, let me use uh, basic training. Some of you folks have been in, in the military, and the first thing you do when you enlist is they send you to a God-forsaken place and try to beat you to death. Am I fairly accurate? 
I mean, you go there and they grind you and they grind you and they grind you and they grind you. And then when you think you can't take any more, they grind you again. And they do that and they do that and they do that and they do that. Why? They're preparing you. You see, if they, if you, oh, I want to, I want to be a soldier. I want to be a soldier. I want to be in the army. I want to be in the Marines. And they, they sent you and they gave you a gun and they gave you a uniform and they said, good, now go fight for us. God help us. We'd have more people running than more people going forward. You see, the reason they put you through that rigorous training is to prepare you for when you are faced with adversity. See, one day, potentially, there's going to be enemies that are shooting at you. And if you've not been beaten and beaten and pushed and pushed and grinded and grinded, when the day comes, you're going to throw your gun down, get up, throw the uniform off, and run for your life. And that's, you say, but, 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 but I don't, I don't want to go through that stuff. I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be tested. I don't want to be tried. I don't want bad things to happen to me. Let me introduce you to a funny thing. It's called life. All right. And too many people, for some reason, think that, well, it's it just, I, I'm going to be fine. Folks, nobody lives in a glass dome. Nobody lives without some outside pressures being exerted on them. And when you do not prepare to succeed in all actuality, what you do is you prepare to fail. And Rehoboam, as a young man sitting underneath his father's tutelage, he was an old man when he came to reign. He was 41 years old. And when Rehoboam came to reign, Rehoboam had every opportunity to be what he should be. 41 years old, folks. And when the pressure was put on him, he crumbled like a leaf. His first act as king was to divide the kingdom. Study the scriptures. The first thing he did, people came to him. They said, you need to lighten the load. His daddy's counselor said, Rehoboam, if you want the people to love you, and if you want them to follow you, listen to the people in this case. Solomon was hard on the people. He made them work. He taxed them heavily. Be gracious to the people, and the people will love you, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam went to his knucklehead friends. And it, I'm going to tell you, if you're asking someone your own age for advice, and they're under the age of 36, I'm 36, okay? If you're asking them for your advice, I, I love it. Teenagers go to, to some 17-year-old, so, do you think we should get married? I'm going to tell you right now, that 17-year-old doesn't have a clue underneath God's heaven. But, but, but we really love each other. What do you think? Well, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. And that's what Rehoboam did. He said, he said, guys, he said, these people have come to me, and they've told me that they want me to lower the taxes, they want me to lighten their load, and they want me to be a little nice to them. What should I do? And his buddies told him, beat them, man. I mean, you, you tell them that your dad's heaviest load is going to be your lightest load. You tell them you're going to rule with an iron fist, and you make those people love you. And Rehoboam said, sounds good to me. It appeals to my flesh. I'm going to be Mr. El Kingo. And he walks back, and he tells the people that, and they says, see you later. Ten of the tribes of Israel said, we're done with you, Rehoboam. We'll elect ourselves our own king. We're done. First act is king. What happened, Rehoboam? I didn't prepare my heart to seek the Lord. I didn't prepare to succeed. And because I didn't prepare to succeed in actuality, I prepared to fail. You don't find your strength in how hard you hit, but in how hard you can be hit and still get up. I wish we'd understand that. Oh, I can throw a good punch. Can you take one? Oh, I'm a man now. Really? Let me put a little pressure on your shoulders. Let me see if you can bear the load. A man who has prepared will get up. A man who is not prepared will not get up. Why? Because one has already decided what he wants. The other has just merely desired it. 
I, I talk to a number of people. We have our Reformers Unanimous ministry. And, and but people come into my office and, and they'll say, Oh, Pastor, I, I really want to stop this. I, this addiction is destroying me. It's destroying my marriage. It's messing with my kids. It's just it's messing me over. And I want to give it up. And he does. And I'll have another fella that'll come in and he'll say the same exact words. And three days later, you know where he's at? He's right back in the addiction. Can I tell you why? Because one man in his heart prepared to seek God. And he said, you know what? I know when the time comes, I'm going to have to give up some friends. I know when the time comes, I'm going to have to give up some of my old haunts. I know when the time comes, I'm going to have to show up in church. I know when the time comes, I'm going to have to read my Bible. I'm going to have to start to pray. And I don't understand all of it. And I know I don't get it all right now. But I am prepared to seek God with my whole heart. The other fellow, he just merely desires it. And as soon as the going gets hard, he says, well, I'm going back to my old way of life. At least there I was happy. Happy being a wreck, happy being miserable, happy being divorced, happy being a terrible father. What were you happy doing? It appealed to the flesh for a few moments. You got, you got a, a momentary high, a momentary thrill. You got something that somehow fed your flesh. And that is, no, no, it's not. Because the man who does what is right and the man who purposes in his heart and prepares, that man is blessed of God and that man is honored of God. Yet I see so often in our lives, folks, we have a group of people. And yes, for a very short amount of time, they say, I want to seek you, God. And then God says, good. Here's your first hill. I mean, folks, look at Rehoboam. The first thing he did was he had his people come and defy him to his face. Rehoboam, lighten the load. Who do you think you are? And that's what we do. We say, God, who do you think you are trying to tell me what to do? I can just go back to my old way of life. Go ahead. Dig your own grave. Too many have quit. They have stopped going forward. They have thrown in the towel because they never prepared to succeed. And in doing so, they prepared to fail. One of the things in, in Paul Corks, you know it, but I believe that we ought to be pure till the day of our wedding. By the way, if you make it there, you're pure afterwards by the grace of God. But I'm tired of our culture. And our culture has perverted our thinking. And we've allowed it to. But you know you have to prepare. As <laughs> I remember dating my wife. I have red blood. I do. And I, I liked her a lot. We dated for three years. A long time. All right? My parents said you're not getting married till you graduate. Her parents said you're not getting married till you graduate. And I tried. God knows I tried to talk them out of that. But they wouldn't allow it. So I graduated. Amen? But I, I got to tell you, I, I had some unholy desires that went through this boy's heart. I had some thoughts that crossed my mind. But I'm going to tell you something. I had some godly parents, but I also had a little bit, at least just a tiniest bit of common sense. And, and, and we had what they were called chaperones. All right? Chaperones are these people. All they are, they're glorified tattletales. Okay? And, and, and they tell on you if you do something you're not supposed to. All right, I was, I was teasing one of our young ladies uh, about her, her older sisters, you know, romantically in fallen in love. And I told her little sister, I said, you can do whatever you want to her this summer and she will have to bow down to your feet because one of these days when your boyfriend comes, she is going to ask you to be her chaperone because she don't want mom and dad there. But she'll tell. You had to prepare for the flesh. You say, oh, oh, we would never do that. One of that. You say, well, well, I, I would never fall into that type of sin, really? 
I mean, David didn't think he would. And when David sent his generals and his army off to war, David went up on his rooftop, sat down, and watched a little lady as she bathed herself. And he said, man, Bathsheba is one cute woman. He said, in fact, she's so cute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call her over here, and we're going to have a little bit of dinner together. And after dinner, he went up and he adulterated with Uriah's wife. I don't think David, when he went up on the rooftop that night, intended to adulter with some other woman. But bless God, when you allow your flesh to get in the way and you don't prepare for it, you will fail. You say, oh, we would never do that. I've talked to young people. I would never get drunk. I would never get high. I would never do that. And then they go with the wrong crowd. They get in the wrong place at the wrong time. And guess what happens? Not me. Yeah, you didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. But, but i got to say this. Adults, mature human beings, we're no different. I'm not talking about teenagers right now. I'm trying to talk to us because a whole lot of us are not preparing to seek the Lord. Rehoboam was 41. Okay, we're not talking about a 17-year-old teenager coming to power. We're talking about a 41-year-old man, a man who should have had every bit of preparation ready to when the, king, the kingship came to him to say, bring it on. I've prepared for this my whole life, and I'm ready. Number three, the third statement to not prepare to succeed is to willingly sabotage yourself. To not prepare to succeed is to willingly sabotage yourself. And the second statement is to not prepare to succeed is to prepare to fail. But folks, I'll take it a step further. When you don't prepare to succeed, you sabotage yourself. You see, tough times happen. Will you be ready? <laughs> I know. You're the lucky one. You'll be the one that doesn't have to deal with it. You're special, right? I, 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 folks, come on, I, I'm as human as the next guy. And we've all told ourselves that. Oh, I won't ever have to worry about that. I'll never be tempted in that area. I'll never have to deal with that kind of a tough time. I'm better than that. Oh, no, I'm special. I, I've made some good decisions in the past, so that'll never arise in my life. No rough days are ahead. And if you're not prepared, you've already failed. A football player who is physically gifted, but did not, does not prepare himself has sabotaged himself to fail. We got preseason football coming up in the next month, and I love football. I love it. Packer fan, amen, the only kind of fan there is. See, that's the way to get people into the sermon. Good lands, you kill me, folks. But I promise you, there are a lot of young men who are physically able to play who have never been willing to prepare themselves to play. Just because you're gifted, just because you're talented, just because you have a wealth of ability does not mean you will succeed. You say, but, 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 but I'm the best athlete ever out of my town. I don't care. If you are not prepared, you will not succeed. See, many of you men, all of you men in this room, you have the ability to be a good husband. You have the ability to be a good father. You ladies have the ability, God-given ability, to be a good mother and to be a good wife. But I'm going to ask you this question right now. Are you preparing yourself to succeed in those categories, or are you sabotaging yourself someday for failure? A man that is prepared can be knocked off stride, but never off course. But a man that is not prepared can be completely knocked out. You see, let me go back to using football for a moment. 
You see, as you're playing the game of football, you're generally going to face some individuals who have more talent or more skill than you do from time to time. But if you are ahead of the program, you've studied your playbook, and you know what direction you're supposed to go in, even though you may be knocked off stride for a moment, you know ultimately where you're supposed to be. And because you know where you're ultimately supposed to be, and you've prepared properly, you can beat people that are more physically gifted than you. I'm white. How many know that? All right? I love basketball. Bas played it all through high school, played it all through college. I'm about six foot something, and, 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 and I can't jump, all right? When they said white men can't jump, they didn't lie, all right? White men cannot jump. I tried everything. I got lighter shoes. I, I got, you know, when I was in high school, you know, the, the kids now, my, my little son, he went up to, we went up to the Dells here about a month ago, spent a couple days up there, and we went to the Nike outlet store, and Jacob's been needing a new pair of shoes. In fact, his shoes were rubbing so raw that his front toes were actually touching the ground. We didn't know this until after he got rid of them. But we went into the Nike store and, and, and he loves Kobe Bryant and he's, he's retarded but he loves Kobe Bryant because all of the older kids at school think he's a great basketball player and so we went into that, that, that store and, and there there were a black pair of tennis shoes that had Kobe Bryant written on the back of it and my son for $22 praise God amen we bought him he was so happy and but you know what they don't make him jump any higher when I was a kid, I was 17, I went to uh, Sports World downtown, and I remember I got myself a pair of Charles Barkley tennis shoes. Now, those are really old for you that don't know, okay? But I remember, and I, I really did. As a 17-year-old kid, I thought, oh, man, I got them. Now I'm going to be a better jumper. I didn't jump, I mean, even a tenth of an inch higher. It did nothing for me. But, folks, I'm going to tell you this. See, I learned that if you can prepare yourself, you can beat guys who are better than you because you understand what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and you understand where you're supposed to be at the right time. And if you'll study and you'll prepare, you can beat those that are more talented. See, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that the race is not always to the swift, and the battle is not always to the strong, but that is to the true and faithful. And today I wish we'd understand if we'd be willing to prepare ourselves and to get ready to seek God, God God could do incredible things with us. Do you know that your marriage could be an example of what is right about marriage instead of an example of what's wrong? Yeah. I mean, God could use you as a parent to be an example of how to rear kids for God instead of saying, Psh, I got no clue. No, folks, we need to prepare. The fourth statement I'll make is to prepare your heart to seek the Lord is the highest calling of man. This cause is the only one that will never fail you. It is the only cause that can lift man out of his fallen state. It's the only cause that can get his feet upon a rock and establish his goings. This cause can make a righteous man out of a mess and a wreck. This cause can make a, a, a drunkard dry. This cause can make a prostitute a holy and pure woman. This cause can make a derelict a respected man in his community. This cause can transform a life to the image of Christ. It can help lift the fallen and support the weak. It, to seek the Lord can make all things new. It can miraculously change you and make you what you ought to be and have always wanted to be. To seek the Lord will help you. It will lift you. It will empower you. It will transform you. And it will fulfill you. It is the only cause that is lifelong. 
See, folks, i got to tell you something right now. Your jobs and your careers will end. One day, you will re- if, you're, if you're blessed, you will retire from your job instead of being fired, okay? One day, you will retire. And on the way out the door, maybe they'll have a little po- going-away party, and they'll have a cake that says, so long, Bob. And they'll have a little thing that says, good luck. And they'll give you maybe a little name tag and, or a little card, or maybe they'll give you a watch with a little inscription on the back. They'll pat you on the back, say, see you later, and that's it, Okay? So careers end. You say, oh, I love my job. I love doing what I do. One day doing what you do is going to end. Spouses pass away and will leave you alone. Children grow and leave the nest. You see, the only thing in this world that doesn't change is him. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the only thing in my life that doesn't change is my pursuit of him. This morning, could I just challenge you? To understand that we've got to prepare to seek the Lord. Too many of us in here, we're sitting by and we're saying, well, 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 someday I'll be a good Christian. Someday I'll be a good mom. Someday I'll be a good father. Someday I'll be what I'm supposed to be. And folks, those days are passing you by. And God right now is giving you opportunities and a chance to perform His will. And you're saying, well, now I'm not telling you to cry about the past. The past is the past. God's... If you confess it, God's forgotten it. God let it go. You do the same. What I'm trying to tell you from this point forward, prepare. Prepare your heart to seek the Lord. Man, God wants to do something in your life. My son is 10 years old. I didn't think I'd ever have a 10-year-old boy. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. See, a lot of, a lot of men, and I'm guilty of it, we, 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 you, you kind of think they're going to be young forever, don't you? I mean, you just you think, well, well, I'll get around to being there for them. Well, the problem is, by the time you get around to being there for them, they're gone. So you better prepare now. You say, well, well I don't even have children yet. We've just been married. You better start preparing in your heart to be a good father, to be a good mother. Because one of these days, Lord willing, He's going to bless you with a child, and you better be prepared to love them. You say, well, I'll get there one of these days. No, prepare now. Prepare now. Oh, one of these days, Pastor, one of these days I'm going to get really serious about serving God. I'm going to get into church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And ten years later, you're still saying the same thing. Except a decade of your life is gone. A decade of opportunities have passed. Again, I'm not trying to get us to look at the past and regret the past. What I'm trying to do is to get us to prepare for today so we can be ready tomorrow. You prepare to seek the Lord. Hey, Rehoboam, what happened? Well, I, I made some mistakes. Yeah, but we all do, Rehoboam. I mean, come on, Rehoboam, what? I mean, what are you remembered for? I mean, Samson, he, he's remembered for, for killing a bunch of Philistines. And, and, and Gideon, he's remembered for defeating the Midianites. And David, he's remembered for beating everybody. And Solomon, he's remembered for being rich and wealthy. Hey, Rehoboam, what are you remembered for? For doing evil. That's odd. Why? I never prepared my heart to seek God. I never got to the point in my life where I prepared myself. And when the time came for me to be what God had made me to be, I wasn't ready. Rehoboam, were you, 
were you a king when you were eight years old like Josiah? Did you come to be a king as a, as a young man like your father Solomon? No. How old were you? 41. Huh. My friend today, would we purpose in our hearts to seek the Lord? The consequences of not doing so is that your legacy will be that you did evil. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for you. And folks, I'm going to end this morning by just giving you the very first thing to seek the Lord is you've got to be born again. I'm going to talk more about this tonight. I'd love to have you come back. I'm going to talk about how to seek the Lord tonight. But number one, you must be born again. Jesus, looking at a religious man in John chapter 3, said, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus said, I don't get you. Jesus said, let me explain it to you. And my friend, if you're here and you're without the Savior, you say, but, but, but I've been coming to church for a while. I don't care if you're without the Savior. You're without the Savior. And you'll never be prepared to seek the Lord. The first step in preparing to seek God is to trust Christ. God bases all eternity on that one decision. Will you accept him as your Savior? Friend, if you're here this morning and you're without the Savior, during the invitation, if you just come down to the front, get my attention, I'll not embarrass you, I really won't, but I'm going to have somebody show you from the Bible. You have one of the fellows, if you're a fellow, one of the ladies, if you're a lady, show you from the Bible how you can be born again. But Christian, can I ask you this? Is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? That's something that should resonate in every one of us. Because God gives opportunities, time and chance happens to us all. Are we prepared for that day? Let's go and stand to our feet. With heads bowed and eyes closed. And friend, again, if you're here and you're not prepared for eternity, one day eternity is going to come. This life will end. And you will either go to one of two places. You go to heaven, which is for the saved, or you go to hell, which is for the lost. And this morning, if you're without the Savior, if you're without Christ, please come. Let someone show you from the Bible God's own word. Take God at His word. And you can be born again. Christian, how about you? Is your heart ready? Are you preparing in your heart to seek the Lord? Or are there some things in the way? Maybe it's some wrong friends. Maybe it's, maybe it's some wrong habits. Maybe, maybe it's just a hard heart. Maybe you've been in church a long, long time. Maybe your whole life. I think Rehoboam was one of them. But he never prepared himself to seek the Lord. My friend this morning, if God's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar as the instruments begin to play. My friend, are you ready to seek the Lord? Have you been preparing to do that? Every single day, God provides us with opportunities to please Him. Do we even notice?
Well, praise the Lord. Folks, thank you for being here this morning. You come on back tonight. We're going to talk more about this topic to seek the Lord. We need to prepare for that. We need to be ready, and we need to do it. But uh, thank you for being here this morning. I know some of you wondered why the auditorium was so cool when you came in. It's because a couple people that were, were kind of squabbling with each other in the uh, parking lot, a couple husbands and wives, and so I figured if we turn the temperature down, they'd have to get a little closer. Amen? And so we'll, <clears throat> we'll do everything we can for you. We really will. Now, praise the Lord. Folks, think the world of you. We've got to prepare to seek the Lord. If we miss it, we'll be remembered just as Rehoboam was. How sad. How sad. Brother Reed.